Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Marcus Hansen with a message called The Key to Happiness. Over the centuries, if there has been one common pursuit of mankind, it is to find happiness. Countless multitudes have searched for it, written books about it, and have died to achieve it. They've even killed and plundered to try to reach that place in their lives where they could say they have arrived and could live happily ever after, only to find that they have left a trail of broken hearts, heartaches, and a feeling of emptiness. Many have turned to alcohol, and under their terrible curse, children have been abused, wives beaten, and left to care for their families alone. Our TV portray a lifestyle of having a great time when you indulge in drinking alcohol. If you believe what the TV is showing, everybody who consumes alcohol is happy and is really enjoying life. The sad reality is that the consumption of alcohol has absolutely nothing to do with being happy. Quite the opposite is true. All you have to do is go to that part of town where the town drunks hang out and you will see the real picture. Then there are those who search for happiness through the accumulation of material wealth. In many cases, this leads to feuding of family members and especially siblings as they quarrel over their inheritance. Also, when people are wealthy, it's easy to become very independent because they believe they can purchase anything they need. They do not have to depend on others, including their spouses, and this often leads to divorce and broken families. Moses also warned the Israelites that after they had prospered too, I quote, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, Deuteronomy 8 and 11. No, True happiness of the inner man does not spring from assembling a large portfolio of investments. How about those who turn to sports for their answers to happiness? They train and discipline themselves to try to be the best in their area of interest. Many do not make it and are left to deal with the feelings of failure. Those who reach the top have the problem of what to do next because There is that constant searching that goes on within a man's soul that is never satisfied with earthly achievement. What about power? We have seen the destruction that men such as Hitler have brought upon themselves and countless others when they have been in the position of absolute power. So what is the real answer to that longing in our hearts for complete happiness? Over the last while, during our family devotions, we've been reading what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sat down and began to teach them how one should conduct oneself as a Christian. Here was Jesus, the very Son of God, speaking plainly so that a child could understand, explaining clearly how one should conduct one's life. Think of the significance of this. Jesus, the Son of God, they were hearing directly with their own ears what God expected of them. Oh, praise God. Up until this time, God only spoke through the voice of the prophets. But here, 
God is speaking as if he was actually standing there amongst them. No wonder John wrote, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14 Thank you, Jesus, for coming down to earth. Thank you for walking amongst men and teaching us how to live before you. We praise you, Jesus, for revealing the truth and setting us free. For you said that the truth will set us free. Amen. When we came to the end of the seventh chapter of Matthew, we were struck by the way Jesus ended his teaching with the story of the wise and foolish man. Reading from Matthew seven twenty-four to 27, New King James Version. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, And the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The evening after reading the above passage, I was home alone, and a thunderstorm passed over our area. It was a major storm with very heavy rain, strong winds, lightning, and thunder. This is not common where we live. But I reckon it is similar to what they have in the eastern United States. When the storms was passing over, the winds were so fierce that branches were breaking off the trees nearby, and the house shook and trembled. The rain gushed down, and with the help of the wind, beat upon the house. At the height of the storm, I bent my knee before God and asked Him to protect my family and also our home, as I felt we were in danger if the storm persisted. After approximately half an hour, the storm passed over our area, and there was a wonderful calm that settled in. As I remained in prayer before the Lord, he seemed to whisper into my heart, Aren't you thankful that your house is built on a firm foundation? Immediately, the scripture we read above flashed through my mind. I began to ponder over the meaning of this scripture. I realized that the key to happiness for all mankind is to build upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Ephesians 2 and 20. And what is that foundation? It is the pattern that God has been restoring to the church in these last days, the pattern of how the home should function, the pattern of how the church should function, and the pattern of how the universal church should function. Saints of God, how privileged we are to live in such an hour as this. Praise God. God is revealing his pan, not the pattern of man. Oh no, God is revealing his pattern for all mankind to live by. Down through the centuries, man has tried only to fail, utterly fail, to find the real key to happiness.
The answer is simply to build according to the pattern that God hath revealed and is continuing to reveal. God's kingdom is built around the structure of a strong home. If the family unity is united, it will be strong, and if the family is strong, the church will be strong. There is no possible way that a family can be bickering and fighting at home and then go to church and be in harmony with the rest of the members in the church. Let us therefore turn our attention to the home and relationships between the husband, wife, the children, and young adults. We'll begin with instructions for husbands and fathers. Reading from Ephesians 5 and 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Husbands, and I'm speaking to myself as well, you are required to assume the responsibility of being the head of your wife and your home. Just as a captain of a ship takes on the responsibility Husbands, you are required to assume the responsibilities of being the head of your wife and your home, just as a captain of a ship takes on the responsibility of overseeing the operations of his ship so that everything runs smoothly. The husband bears a similar responsibility before God. A good captain is a good manager. He does not rule with an iron hand but recognizes the strength and ability of his crew and assigns positions to those who can handle responsibilities. God has given women certain abilities that a man cannot fulfill. One is to bear children and then care and nurture them. Men will never be able to fulfill this role because it was never and will never be part of God's pattern for the man. However, the husband is to provide food and clothing and shelter for his wife and family, as well as spiritual direction. If there is a dispute between family members, the husband, father, should look into the situation and help the, and with the help of God, find a solution that is the pattern. This responsibility of being the head of the family does not give the husband license to be a tyrant. Oh, no. For he must carry out his responsibility in love. Husbands, listen clearly what God has said and is continuing to say to you today. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hates his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Ephesians 5, verses 25, 28, and 29. What a wonderful and beautiful way, and yet so opposite to what we see in the world's teaching. See how it works? The husband loves his wife just as he would take care of his own body. As well, he gives himself to his wife just like Christ gave himself for the world. And what kind of love is this? It is definitely not what Hollywood is portraying. Let us turn to Philip's translation of 1 Corinthians 
chapter 13 and read verses 3 to 8 for the definition of God's love. This love of which I speak is slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive. It is not possessive. It is neither anxious to impress nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. It is not touchy. It does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is glad with all good men when truth prevails. Love knows no limit to its endurance no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that stands when all else has fallen. With love being manifested in this manner, how could a man possibly abuse his wife or his children? How could he possibly do anything to hurt his wife or children in any way? How can there be divorce? There's no room for shouting, temper tantrums, or violence. No room for pouting or sulking. No room for showing any form of anger. A loving husband won't go off and spend the money he earns on his own selfish desires so that there's nothing left to feed and clothe the family. He will go without if necessary. If he's going to be late for supper, he will call and let his wife know that he is going to be late. Why? because he loves his wife and love has good manners. Likewise, his submissive wife will not spend the money her husband brings home unwisely because she wants to please her husband. When her husband calls and says he'll be late because of circumstances beyond his control, she won't pout. She'll understand because God's love rules the home. Oh, praise God, what a marvelous way. With love being manifested in this manner, between husband and wife, the foundation of the home is strong and it can stand anything that prevails against it. I repeat, it can withstand anything. That is the truth. Divorce is never a consideration. Certainly there will be problems along the way. But when the foundation is sure, the house will stand. Oh, hallelujah. How is the foundation sure? when it is built according to the pattern, the pattern that God has revealed to us for the home. The love of God is very powerful. If there are problems in your marriage, you owe it to yourself to let God help you by letting his love rule within your heart. Husbands, begin by asking the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with love for your wife. Use the words of the scripture quoted above. From 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 3 to 8, to help you. There is a wide chasm between you and your wife. God can heal. Go to your wife and ask her to forgive you for the things that you have done to cause this to come about. Then walk in the Spirit so that your life reflects the attributes of God's love. The Apostle Paul said this, in Romans 8.13. But if you through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. To mortify means to put to death, not to just control. You may be able to control your evil actions for a while, but it is only by this help of the Holy Spirit 
that you will be able to put to death that part of your lower nature which causes you to do the things which you despise. Paul ends this verse by stating, you shall live. And he is not talking about living here on this earth. He's speaking about entering into eternal life. If you have aspirations of going on into eternal life or an entering sonship, there can be no division between you and your wife. I believe with all my heart that God can restore a relationship that has gone cold. God is able to bring about changes so that your love for each other will be just like it was on the day you said, I do. Don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. Believe God. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark 9, verse 23. I also believe that God has created a woman in such a manner that she wants to respond to love, the kind of love that we have just read about. It is part of a woman's nature to want to be loved. You might put it this way. She can't help but accept the love that you show her and return it as well. Men, don't point your finger at your wife and say, if she will manage and change, then I think I will be able to love her again. You are the head. You are supposed to take the lead. That is God's plan for you. Never say it is impossible. Simply believe, trust, and obey, and you will see God answer your prayers. Husbands, likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to the knowledge giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I am sure we all want God to hear and answer our prayers, but the answer to our prayers is conditional upon us treating our wives with respect and honor, remembering that God treats the husband and wife as one flesh, as one person. Let us endeavor with all our hearts to love our wives in words, deeds, and actions so that our prayers may be answered. Fathers, remember that after the Apostle Paul addressed the requirement that children ought to be obedient to their parents, he said this, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Colossians 3.21 as children approach the teen years, they begin by God's design to want to stretch their wings in preparation for leaving the nest. This can be a very difficult period for parents and teenagers. I believe it is very important for parents to recognize this period of change that is occurring in young person's life and attempt to begin the process of letting them go slowly. It is always easier to try to hold on and say no because we as parents do not want our children to be hurt by the circumstances of life. However, by always saying no, we can frustrate our children to the point where they can hardly wait to be old enough to leave home. Sad to say, it happens too often. You will notice that I said, let them go slowly. Many times our children have wanted to do certain things, and when we sat down and considered and found it wasn't something that would be harmful, that was the time to say yes. As you begin to let your children make some of their own decisions, they will make a few mistakes. 
Don't be too harsh with them when this happens. Remember, you are a young person as well. Begin to treat them as adults and discuss the alternatives with them. Look to God for wisdom in this area and he will help you and your children go through this adjustment. The importance of family devotions. We have heard it many times before. Family devotions is part of God's pattern for the home. The family that prays together stays together. Begins when you are first married. Make it a habit and it will stand you in good stead. When the children come along, you'll have to change the way you conduct your devotions so that they can understand. Read from Bible storybooks. Teach them the courses we sing in church. Teach them to memorize Bible verses. This is the place to teach your children how to pray. Do not make it too long. Try to make it interesting, something that the children look forward to, not something that they dread. You will find as your children grow older, it will become something they will really appreciate. It is one time that the family will be together. This is also a place where they can bring their needs before the family and the Lord. If you haven't been having family devotions, now is the time to start. It is never too late to start, even if you've been married 45 years and never had family devotions. Begin right now, asking God to help you. If you need help in this area of your life, ask your elders to come over and pray with you and give you guidance. Instructions to Wives Let's turn to Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Now, I wish to make something very clear. When God speaks, he always speaks in the absolute. That means there is no room for variance, no room for change, no room for man's thinking and philosophy, no room for the word but. When God speaks, he means what he says. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away, ever. If we can really take this to heart, I believe we will have fewer problems in our lives. Just trust, believe, and obey. Praise God. Wives, please listen to what God has said to you. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 24. But the world is saying, today, we don't submit to such beliefs. Oh, but listen to what God has said. Wives, this is your key to happiness. So simple and so beautiful are the ways of God. How can it be any clearer? All you have to do is accept the word of God and begin to put it into practice. Praise God. Accept your husband as your head, and it is well-pleasing to God. You will find that there is a shelter, a covering for you when you submit to your husband. If you struggle with this error in your life, go to God and ask him to help you. God will help you because... That is what he has designed from the beginning of the ages, that the wife should recognize her husband as her head. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Genesis 3.16. Also see Ephesians 5.22-24. to 24. 
to 25. The brethren have taught us that it is important for mothers to be at home, if possible, with their children, especially when they are in their formative years. No one in the world can fill that place in the child's heart like a mother can. God has just designed it that way. Neither your friends, neighbors, babysitters, nanny, or your school teachers, grandparents can fulfill the needs the child has. We are not advocating that you should not pursue a career. Well do we know the need there is for Christian school teachers and nurses, etc. But when your children are still living at home, they need you. And that is God's pattern. Much is written today about how to cope with raising children when you are a working mother. Just because there are many articles and magazines addressing this issue of working mothers does not mean it is right. Do not be fooled by what you see happening all around you. Listen to what God is saying. Build your home according to the blueprint that God has drawn, and you will enjoy a level of peace and tranquility that the world knows nothing about. Instructions to Teenagers and Children Children, teenagers, you are included as well in the pattern that God has revealed to the church. Turn to your Bibles to Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 3, and we read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandments with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now I know that you have heard and read this scripture many times before, but I want to look at it from a different point of view. Ask yourself this one question. Do I want to have a happy and fulfilled life and have a long life on this earth? Well, what is your answer? I am sure that you will agree that it is yes. I can assure you that there is only one way to achieve that goal, and that is to follow the instructions in the above quoted scripture. No ifs, no buts, because God has spoken. This is not my philosophy, or your parents, or your elders. It is God's way, and God is speaking directly to you. As for God, his ways are perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Psalms 18.30, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Isaiah 55.8-9 Sadly, there are those who want to do things their own way, fight the system, as they say in the modern vernacular, instead of listening to what God is saying. Sadly, many only learn by experiencing that their way is not the right way. Young people, it doesn't have to be that way. You do not need to learn the hard way. Just commit yourselves unto the Lord and ask him to help you to obey your parents, to honor and respect them, and you will experience God will hold true to his promises. Second Corinthians 1 and 20 reads as follows. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us.
Now, instructions to the unmarried. I want to address those who have left home to live on their own. Maybe you have moved to another city to take up residence, or that time has come in your life and you have decided that you want a, a place of your own. God has a pattern for your life as well. Let us turn to the scripture for what God says. 2 Corinthians 6.14 reads as follows. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? This scripture applies to all of us, of course, but to you who are single and maybe you are seeking to find that special person you wish to spend the rest of your life with, take special heed to this scripture. We talk with the voice of experience in this regard. We have over the years witnessed many heartaches and broken homes, which are the product of couples being unequally yoked together. I'm not talking about Christians marrying non-Christians. I believe it goes even beyond that. There are different levels of experiences in Christ. Some people, though they believe in being born again, are not willing to accept the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you marry one who does not, there's an area in your lives where you are not on common ground. And this is not good. It can lead to confrontation about where you should worship on Sunday. You must be on common ground when it comes to your spiritual lives in marriage. If you marry an unbeliever, or even someone who has accepted Jesus as their personal savior, but he or she insists attending their own church, you will find that after the honeymoon, when you are settling down to the routines of life, that there will be that longing to fellowship with the saints of God in your local church. If you are prevented from attending your local church and fellowshipping with those who are dear to you, there will be a great emptiness in your heart. Why? Because you have tasted of that which comes down from above, the heavenly manna which satisfies the soul. Once you have tasted of the moving of the Holy Spirit, nothing else can testify to that and satisfy the thirsting in your own heart. All the programs of man or the good deeds which you perform will never quench your thirst for the reality which you experience in the Lord. Sad to say, there are those who did not listen when their parents and elders advised them not to marry an unbeliever. Now they are suffering with consequences. When you meet them, they often say, Oh, if I had only listened. Those of you who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, please listen. Please take heed. Remember that God has a pattern to follow, and if you follow it, it will work. Look for that someone special in the church. That is good advice. But if by chance you come across someone who thinks has potential, make a very clear indication where you stand. Tell them that you could never make a commitment to marrying anyone who is not a Christian and does not accept the teaching of the church. Invite that person to church. If it is God's will, that person is to be your mate. God will make a way. That is the pattern. And that is my personal testimony. 
when I met my wife, very soon after we met, I brought her to church with me. And God opened her ways to this wonderful way. And she's been with me now for over 50 years, faithfully following in the pattern that God has revealed to the church. And I praise God for making that real to my heart when I was a young man. If the person that you ask comes to church and makes a commitment to Christ and you see a real desire in that person to want to go with God and you can begin to talk about marriage, we advise strongly that you see your elders. That is the pattern that God has established. When you leave home, your head is your elders. They are your covering. They are your safety net and a hiding place. I stress this very strongly. The elders are your spiritual fathers that God has given you. And they will give you godly advice in these matters. They won't tell you who to marry, but they may say, wait a while, or warn you of some problems that you can't see. Or they may give you God's blessings, because they have seen that that person that you have chosen desires to walk with you in this precious way. I remember well when I met my wife, Gay. The world could have been falling down around me and I wouldn't have heard or seen it. What wonderful blessing it is to have elders to help and give guidance. In conclusion, if you have not been following God's pattern, it is never too late to start. Do something about it now. Begin by asking the Holy Spirit to help you to follow God's blueprint for happiness. Following him, trust and obey, has always meant a lot to me. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. How true the words of this song are. God is shedding his light in these last days. He is showing us the way, but we have a responsibility to walk in it and to trust and obey. At the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned the title was The Key to Happiness, not The Secret to Happiness. God's ways are not to be a secret. They are for all those who believe. Over the years, at camp meetings, the traveling ministries have been laying down the foundation which God has revealed to them. As well in our local churches, our elders have been expounding the truths that have been laid down by the traveling ministries. You likely have heard all that I have talked to you about today. But it is one thing to hear and another thing to obey. God's promises are conditional on us obeying his instructions. I've outlined a few of the truths of the pattern that God is revealing to the church. There are more, like tithing, attending 
your local church regularly, going to at least one camp meeting if possible every year. When we follow the pattern that God has laid out, we find happiness and joy in our lives that can compare to nothing else. My prayer is that as you walk on with God, that you will always be cognizant of building according to the pattern that God has laid. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have been very gracious to us. Not only save us from our sins, fill us with your Holy Spirit and call us into this way, but also, Lord, you've been very gracious to us when we've made mistakes. But we know without doubt, that if we call upon you with all of our hearts and seek you, that you will help us to follow the pattern that you have laid out for us so very clearly. And then if we do, we will experience a level of happiness that the world does not know in this day that we live. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing this pattern to us. We love you and we worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.